everyone. This is Luke Munger, uh, the intern emeritus at dogman.com, and I am joined by the host of a podcast that I do, that I co-host, uh, called Washington Football Crunch, Micah Chen. As a student at Central Washington, he writes for Cascadia Preps, but he's also an authority on Eastern Washington football. Micah, thank you for taking the time to join us uh, just a couple days here before game day. Hey, thanks for bringing me on, Luke. You know, I kind of feel like I need to be in a position to vouch uh, for Eastern Washington football. You know, this Eastern fan base, they believe in their hearts that anytime they go up against a Pac-12 opponent, that they have a shot at winning. I think this week one matchup, it's going to be special, but most importantly, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, well, good. I'm super excited. I think Husky fans uh, learned the hard way at least a few years ago that when Eastern comes, they come to play. Obviously, that was a while ago. Both programs are different. The Huskies are significantly different than they were, I I guess, kind of uh, during the Sark era. They were bowl eligible, uh, I guess, frequently. However, obviously, over the past few years, they've really kind of gotten over that hump into the New Year's Six Bowl type territory. But Eastern still a formidable program. Uh, they were a national semifinalist last year. Oh, no, they made it to the championship game last or year. Or not semifinalist. I meant finalist. Uh, I apologize. I meant to say they took dynasty, second. North Dakota State. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Nevertheless, uh, yeah, I mean, this is truly the cream of the crop. Uh, Micah, I guess, what do you think it is about this Eastern Washington program? Not necessarily like a player or anything like that, but what makes it so that they are, I guess, kind of a perennial powerhouse in FCS football? Well, it's something that UW fans can appreciate about Eastern is they have like a similar level of dedication. Um, they have this, uh, the way they describe their players are EKG, Eagle kind of guys. And it's just this mindset where they overcome the odds. You know, Eastern Washington is in the middle of nowhere. They have pretty below average facilities, and that's being generous. And really the only reason why they're able to stay competitive year after year is because of the culture that's been set and the winning expectation. And people want to be a part of that, even if, you know, like I said, even if their facilities aren't that great, even if the location is not that great. It really is like a family which is also what UW is about. So I think that like, if you're a UW fan, um, there's a certain like, kind of charm to Eastern Washington that you can appreciate from afar uh, and just based on you know, like your experience playing against them and their success you know, making it to the national championship stage. Mm-hmm. You know, putting players in the NFL. I mean, guys like Vernon Adams, you know, cup of tea in the NFL – but you know his performances against you know schools like UW, Oregon State, um, they are the stuff of legend. You know that's kind of you know what his uh, his brand is known for is giving the business the Pac-12 schools. I mean, guys like Cooper Cup, Samson Abukum, you know, getting ten plus catches, you know, creating havoc in the backfield. Yeah, uh, th- these are the games that you know for these Eastern players, what they will largely be remembered for, like their legacy when it comes to kind of mainstream college football. Yeah, no, that's an interesting point for sure. Uh, in terms of kind of establishing, like you said, in mainstream college football, uh, yeah, a legacy. Because, like you said, this Eastern, uh, I guess, program has a dedicated fan base. Uh, but that fan base, obviously, uh, is small and mighty. They don't get a lot of national stage attention. Um, Washington, or an opponent like Washington, obviously, is an opportunity for them to, I guess, kind of get more eyes yeah, get on, on their program. Center, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the highlight reel a little bit. For make sure. It close. That, you know, make it close. That's what, that's what their, goal, their goal is. Oh, exactly. And, and I, one of the things that I was going to bring up also is, so obviously, uh, um, Bo Baldwin was a great coach at Eastern Washington. Now, Aaron Best, head coach there uh, from the Baldwin coaching tree. 
Uh, he was the offensive coordinator for nearly a decade at Eastern before taking over and has done a phenomenal job there. Uh, Aaron Best played at um, Eastern Washington at a time that overlapped when uh, Coach Kwiatkowski, Washington's defensive coordinator, uh, was coaching over there at Eastern. Uh, Aaron Best is from Tacoma, Washington, a, a local guy. Um, there are, like, I don't know, it just feels like there are a lot of local ties to this game. Beyond getting an opportunity to play a Power 5 opponent, do you think playing Washington or Washington State or another in-state team is something extra special to Eastern Washington, if that makes sense? Yeah, because a lot of these players on the Eastern Washington team are from the west side of the state. You know, they grew up on UW, so absolutely that there's a motivation to kind of prove yourself and also just kind of be in awe of the moment, you know, because, uh, you know, a lot of these kids maybe, you know, I- I'm sure when you're 9 or 10 years old in the backyard, you're not dreaming of playing for the Eastern Washington Eagles. You know, you kind of dream of, you know, playing at Husky Stadium. Um, but a lot of these players on the Eastern sideline, they believe that they could play for a Power 5 program, that they could contribute at that level. You know, you take a guy like Eric Berry, a dynamic weapon, you know, is going to go down as, a, as an all-time great level of Eastern quarterback, you know, if he maintains this rate for the next couple of years. You know, wh- who, who's to say that Jay Kaner is so much more talented than Eric Berry that, uh, you know, Kaner should get a shot over Berry, right? Antoine Custer... A superstar running back can have a big season this upcoming year. Like, who's to say you couldn't throw him in a Pac-12 running back committee and he wouldn't be productive? It's kind of like they want to prove themselves. You know, Cooper Cup, when when he was dominating a Pac-12 uh, teams, he had that mindset of wanting to show that he what he was he did belong in that on that stage. So yeah, there's there's kind of an overachieving mindset that, um, like like we know that we can go stride for stride with these uh, top level opponents. And there is definitely a, a, a sincere personal pride inside these Eastern players. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Just, just to kind of get in now to individual players, you mentioned Eric Barrier. He took over uh, for Gage Gubrud or Gage Gubrud when Gage Gubrud got yep. hurt last season, and obviously was phenomenal. A really athletic quarterback, uh, capable of making big plays. Uh, beyond Eric Barrier, who is it on this Eastern Washington offense that uh, is going to help the Eagles give Washington fits coming up on Saturday? Well, it's, I mean, it's got to start with the receiver room. Like, I know that Eastern Washington, like, these past couple of years has really kind of flipped a switch to, you know, running the football, you know, kind of uh, being more balanced mindset. Uh, but at the end of the day, you got to keep up with UW's offense. And the only way to do that, it's not going to be ground and pound. It's going to be getting big plays through the air. And Eastern Washington, you know, when they play opponents and being competitive with them, um, you know, against the Pac-12 opponents, they have receivers that have a lot of experience. You know, Kendrick Bourne, Shaq Hill, mm-hmm. uh, guys in the past that, um, you know, are coming off big years. Eastern, for the first time, doesn't exactly have that. Uh, you know, Simba Webster, you know, he's playing for the Los Angeles Rams right now. He, he was kind of that presence last year where he yeah, could put up, sure. like, you could put him up against WSU and he could burn them deep downfield, you know, kind of, kind of you know, make big plays. But they do have some legit guys that do have experience, did get a lot of playing time last year. I mean, Andrew Boston, he is looking like that total front runner to be a kind of, uh, you know, a 70 plus reception guy. 
Um, he is coming off a freshman All-American season. Uh, 6'3", 190, good build. Uh, you know, Johnny Edwards is a big speed guy. Um, Jason Williams, sure-handed. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the receivers, they're going to have to make plays. But I think an X factor in this game is going to be the tight end for Eastern Washington, who largely flies under the radar because you wouldn't expect Eastern to really, you know, try to have a tight end. You know, it's like split four receivers out and kind of go downfield. Yeah. But um, his name is Jace Gilder, uh, 6'5", 250, runs like a jackrabbit. And uh, what people might not know is that uh, the number two uh, leading touchdown in terms of like you know, receiving options was Jace Gallagher with seven touchdowns uh, behind Sybil Webster, you know, and again, ahead of guys like Andrew Boston and Jason Williams. Eastern, when they get in the red zone, you know, when they get inside the 10, and I just don't see a scenario where their offensive line, as good as it is, is going to be able to overpower, you know, three, uh, like each position on the uh, UW defensive line, it's going to have, you know, all-star level talent. I don't see them overpowering mm-hmm. that. So having a guy like Jace Gallagher um, that can, you know, uh, roam in the middle of the field, you know, Wellington and Manu don't have the same level of experience, right, <laughs> that yeah, Gallagher yeah. brings to the table. So being able to kind of pop it over the D-line's head and feed it to a big body tight end that has like a legitimate build, that's where I think that Eastern can find scoring opportunities when they do get in the red zone. Okay, so here's kind of my question that, that I'm curious about. Like, if you're the Washington Huskies going into this game, I mean, obviously you have to take it very seriously, but a lot of this game is just trying to find your identity, staying true to who you are, that sort of stuff. Is Eastern Washington, they have similar goals for this one. Are they just trying to keep it close by whatever means possible? Uh, trying to go out and win this game, obviously. Like, is there, I guess, is Eastern, I mean, are they coming out, I guess, like, pedal to the metal? Uh, are they going to try to chew the clock, kind of shorten the game and keep it close? What do you think Eastern's kind of approach is here? I think what gives Eastern a ton of confidence right now is, in fact, their offensive line. Because, I mean, they got two sixth-year seniors starting. Um, they have a left tackle named Tristan Taylor, who was hurt all of last year. But, you know, he's 6'6", 325, legitimate NFL prospect. Uh, their right tackle, uh, Chris Schlitting, um, he, he played at Mount Sy. Uh, he's going to his fifth-year senior year. So their offensive line across the board, at least as far as the ones, I mean, they're going to be able to hold their own, you know, and that's going to help yeah. the running game. That's going to be able to protect um, Eric Berry, you know, let those receivers and um, and Galder get downfield. Antoine Custer can uh, can catch passes out of the backfield pretty well. Uh, so, like, because of their offensive line is is really stout this year and in all facets, I think that gives them confidence. You know, if uh, if you know what we don't know what Kyler Manu and Brandon Wellington are going to be on game day. Um, if 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 that if they're not performing up to the standard that you know they were uh, UW was expecting them to. Um, Eastern can expose that. They can try and get to that second level and it really established one with Antoine Custer. Uh, now, the now problem is that outside of Antoine Custer, they're a little bit thinner right now. Um, the primary backup option, Tamaric Pierce, he's coming off a torn ACL and mm-hmm. uh, it's it's still not undecided if he's actually going to play. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean towards he won't. Mm-hmm. Um, and the backup option right now is Dennis Merritt. And, uh, you know, he's just a small town kid. I think he's from Leavenworth. And he's like 180 pounds soaking wet. So he's legitimately like not quite there when it comes to playing against the Pac-12 defense. Uh, but uh, because of the experience in the offensive line, um, you know, the center Spencer Blackburn, he's an All-American, you know, preseason All-American nominee. I think that gives Eastern a healthy sense of confidence that they can run their offense like how it's supposed to be run, as opposed to, like you said, just let's get, let's get out of here and I'll click their check. And, uh, and head back to Cheney for mm-hmm. they got Jacksonville State the next week. Like that's not, <laughs> they, they, like I said, like this is Eastern's 
embraces these games. You know, this is these are the games yeah. that are remembered years from now. Um, this I, this past season, I mean, here's the thing: like this past season, they lost to WSU like 59-24. I think that might have dampened some of the expectations of what could happen in this game because you know if Eastern was close in that one as well. Well, then basically for the last decade, <laughs> they've done a yeah. good job of keeping games close. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'd be foolish for Washington to believe that Eastern is just gonna find it's gonna you know play timid. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that response right there. I think it's interesting kind of comparing the experience Eastern has up front versus just Washington's entire defense, very inexperienced, uh, you know, especially up front, right? I mean, you look at the front seven of Washington and the guy with most, I think the most starts of that group is Ryan Bowman. And then Levi Onzerike maybe has like a couple starts in his career, but it's a really new group for sure. Uh, but moving over to the defensive side of the ball, I mean, I think it's really easy to talk all day long about Eastern's offense, and I just think kind of for experience or from experience for Pac-12 teams, uh, they've seen some shootouts with Eastern Washington in early weeks. Uh, what is it about Eastern's defense uh, that allows them to kind of be, I mean, because they are a perennial powerhouse in FCS, uh, is there any, I, I guess, thing or any person to look out for for the Huskies come Saturday? So Eastern is a perennial powerhouse. It's not really because of their defense. It's gone better over the years, but uh, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's definitely kind of, it's just there. You know, it's like Eastern's going to put up 50 points on offense and defense allow 37, you know, they come away with the win. Uh, <laughs> they, they, they are able to buckle down. Uh, kind of the biggest area to worry about right now, if you're an Eastern football fan, is the secondary. Um, it's uh, basically on both, at both corner spots, the two deeps are gone right now. They were both, you know, all, all, all four of those guys were seniors, so they're replacing them. And and again, you know, like it's it's not like UW has got these like super awesome options right now. We don't know any of the, if any of these guys are ready to take that next step, whether it be Aaron mm-hmm. Fuller or Chico McClatcher. Like I think they, as as a secondary, need to play aggressive. They can't drop yeah. back twenty yards and just try and not allow big plays, because when Eastern creates turnovers, which is obviously every defense preaches that, but Eastern is legitimately like fifty and zero when they win the turnover battle. And mm-hmm. what it comes down to for these corners is trusting that their offense is going to put up points, and that can allow them to you know jump passes, um, try and strip the ball. Uh, you know, if, if it's a deep pass, you know, like instead of, you know, just trying to swat it, go for the interception, right? Take those risks because if you can get some of those turnovers, get momentum on your side, uh, you know, you're, you know your offense, again, you, you believe in your offense is capable of capitalizing on those turnovers. So basically across the board and on the defensive side, Eastern has to have the mindset of playing aggressive and, you know, blitzing, you know, sending pressure, finding a way. Because if you just play a four-man rush the whole game and man up outside, it's inevitable that UW is going to start overpowering you, and eventually it'll get ugly. Awesome. I, I, I appreciate, again, you going into depth kind of about Eastern Washington. I think, uh, you know, it's easy to kind of look at an FCS opponent on the schedule and dismiss it. Um, Washington fans should know from experience that Eastern Washington isn't one of those teams that you can write off right away. Um, I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but I'm just curious to know, Micah, I mean, you know all kind of Washington football uh, culture, Washington football teams, all that sort of stuff. Um, I am curious to know, Not necess- you don't have to give me a score. If you want to give me a score, that's great. <laughs> how, do you see, how do you see this game going on Saturday? Hmm. Here's how I truly see it going. Here's how I envision it. First of all, it's going to be fun. You know, I hear the ticket sales aren't doing too hot right now. You know, shout out to a good friend of the show, uh, Tony Castercone for supplementing some tickets. 
Uh, I don't think anyone that watches this game is going to say that it is a really cruddy first game. It's just, it's just, it's not on the cards. And I'm not convinced that UW is just going to come out and dominate every single position group, you know, every single position battle out there. You know, Jace Gowder, is that tight end? I mean, how is that matchup going to look against Kyle Armani or like a smaller guy like Elijah Molden? Now, I'm not convinced that Andrew Boston is going to be totally neutralized by a freshman making his first start in Kyler Gordon. I mean, then you got, you know, the double agent, Justice Warren, you know, former UW uh, defensive end or fullback or whatever he didn't want to play. I mean, now he's spoon-feeding information about UW's offense into Aaron Best's uh, game plan. And then uh, you, got, you got the left tackle, you know, Tristan Taylor, um, you know, center Spencer Blackburn, All-American. I mean, this is a stacked offensive line, and they're going to be able to give Eric Berrier a couple extra seconds in the pocket on a lot of plays. And I know that Eric Berrier has a certain magical quality that, like all past Eastern quarterbacks, like they just seem to have that it factor. And that's going to make this, like I said at the beginning, very exciting. It's going to be special. Of course, it's going to be a lot of fun. So now with that being said, give me UW 4121. Um, I think it'll be like 38-14 going into the fourth quarter. Uh, Eastern scraps a late second tight, uh, you know, touchdown against um, you know Trent McDuffie or Asa Turner, who, whoever's out there that late in the game. And uh, it's yeah, I mean 41-21. You know, that's about what you're gonna expect. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate that. I, I kind of see it going a similar way. I mean, at the end of the day, Washington obviously is um, just the bigger, faster, stronger team, more resources, all of that sort of stuff. Um, but at the same time, like you said, Eastern Washington didn't come in here to cash their check. I think they will get their money's worth. And it's Washington's first time rolling out a defense with eight plus new starters. Um, I think it'll be really interesting to see how they kind of gel early. I think there'll be some growing pains. Eastern won't. Uh, I mean, I don't think they'll be moving the ball at will, but it also won't be a struggle. Uh, but yeah, I, I think 38-21 is, is kind of right on par. Uh, nevertheless, Micah, I really appreciate you coming on uh, kind of short notice and uh, talking about this Eastern Washington Eagle team. I know the Husky fans appreciate it as well. Um, a knowledgeable fan base is a happy fan base. So now they know more about, you know, their opponent going into Saturday, which is awesome. Yeah, as a totally unbiased analyst, good for Eastern Washington, getting a chance to be in the spotlight. And if this is your first time getting a chance to hear myself and Luke on the mic, check us out every single Tuesday, Washington Football Crunch. Myself, Luke Monger, and Jackson Garner, we talk all things Washington college football. Again, every single Tuesday, iTunes, wherever you're podcast from. Thank you, guys. Uh, thanks for letting me get my plugs in, Luke. Awesome. Well, thank you, Micah. I appreciate it again. Uh, and from myself and Micah, go dogs And Eagles for Micah, too. <laughs> 